Welcome to your podcast, Leadership is Tricky, where we'll tackle various topics, challenges, and experiences as it relates to your investment in leadership. So let's design success together. Now your hosts. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Leadership is Tricky. Eric is here, and uh, we have Steven. How you doing, Steven? I'm good, Eric. Yeah. Sounds like uh, you just got done hitting a little white ball around, right? I did. I spent the weekend at a tournament today in which uh, we did very well, um, you know, got some fresh air. And yeah, unfortunately, there was some like bugs or something after they ate my legs up. So um, yeah, since you can't see my hands, I'll be scratching down there. But hopefully my nice uh, spring like background making you feel good about that. Yeah, it's giving me PTSD, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Hey, so we have a, a, a wonderful guest uh, with us today. We have Britta Rudolphy, um, and hopefully I said it the right way, Britta. So how are you, Britta? I'm good. Thank you, Eric. You pronounced it perfectly. Hey, I got it right. Most people, mess, yeah, most people mess my name up, so um, I'll try to get everyone's name right. But um, yeah, so we're going to have a great conversation today uh, with Britta, who I met um, probably about two, maybe almost three years ago. Um, and I was extremely impressed from the first time that we met, um, extremely knowledgeable in technology. Um, she is a, uh, pioneer in, uh, in technology as well. Um, yeah, I know she doesn't want to take the, take the accolades, but we're going to give them anyway. Um, and, uh, she's had some, uh, 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 a big adjustment in her life and we'll get into that. But, um, Britta, what I'd like to do is give the floor over to you for you to introduce who you are, um, and tell the, the audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. Hi, Eric. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for inviting me uh, to the podcast. Um, well, I've uh, currently I'm leading the global technology innovation team in Vodafone. I've been uh, 10 years in uh, Vodafone so far, always in technology. Um, within this job, I'm responsible for the 5G lab, so the space where we initially met. And um, yeah, I'm really much looking forward to that podcast. Um, my way into technology was not straightforward. So I think that's, uh, yeah, that's something interesting to talk about. Oh, we can't wait to get into it. So um, yeah, so tell us, let's, tell, let's, 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 let's go all the way back to the beginning of your journey, right? So, you know, what, what got you into technology? Yeah, that is a good question. Sometimes I ask that myself uh, because, um, yeah, like if you've told my like at my teenager version, you're going to be in technology, I would have laughed for hours probably. Um, I used to be more like a, an artistic person, you know, being creative in the arts, loving music and all of that. And um, my parents were a bit worried about that because they always said like, yeah, you're not going to make any money with that. You know, like, yeah, we both went to business school. You should do the same. Right. And um, yeah, that was, <laughs> that's something that I want to do different as a person, as a parent, I have to say. But um, yeah, I looked around and um, I thought, yeah, come on media. I think media is interesting. You know, I like watching movies. Uh, I like uh, advertisement agencies and all of that. And it's, it sounds a bit creative. Um, and there is a media management studies out there. So it, there's a bit of an economic touch in there. So um, I thought that's a good compromise to kind of make my parents happy, but also keep my creative side. And so I started uh, studying media management. And uh, we had one professor, um, actually a woman, and uh, she was teaching technology and infrastructure management. And that was the first time I got in touch with 
a picture showing a network architecture. And, um, and I was really impressed by that because I mean, the internet is such a big thing, you know? I mean, it changed so much on how we communicate, on how we work, um, how we get together with friends. And I've never even thought a second about it, you know, like, how do I get my internet, you know, and what's the difference between my Wi-Fi at home and, um, and what I do on my cell phone when I'm away, you know, so I was really intrigued by that. And, uh, and I thought I, I want to work somewhere where um, the network is a big part of that. And uh, so I applied in, in Vodafone obviously for marketing because I, I i thought yeah come on you're the creative person you are more into economics and business and all of that so um so marketing is the right area for you so um, i applied there for a graduate program and um, they interviewed me and they said well you know um you're uh, like your personality fits perfectly into our organization but we just don't see you in marketing. The way you talk about technology and networks and how this is um, providing value in people's lives, um, that sounds more like you should be in technology, you know? Do you see yourself there as well? And I was a bit shocked, I have to say, because I told them, look, I cannot code. I don't know how to, I don't know, set up a base station, you know? Um, but if you're okay, um, I would like to give it a try. And um, well, I'm stuck there for 10 years now, loving it. And uh, I have to give a lot of credit to the recruiters um, there because they, they found out something that I wasn't able to find out myself. And um, yeah, and here I am. Ah, that's very, very cool. And thanks for sharing. So, so let's go back. So where are you from? I'm from Frankfurt. Oh, hey, that's right around the corner. I'm in Wiesbaden, so. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so um, yeah, so going back, so your parents, uh, you know, saw the creative, and I wouldn't say try to stifle it, but I think they were trying to lead you away from from that into to something, I guess, uh, more traditional. Um, so did that play on you in saying, no, I need to break away from that, you know, from that thought process and mold, or, you know, how did you deal with that in the, in the, in the moment? Well, I think, especially when you're a teenager, you are very insecure about your first profession, you know, yes, it's, it seems like such a big decision, what kind of uh, college you want to go to, or what kind of course of studies you want to take on. And, um, and your parents, I mean, they seem to be knowledgeable, you know, but they have the knowledge of like, 30 years back. And, um, and I think um, also for parents, it's kind of yeah, not really reassuring if there's something, you know, that's new and um, that's something that you don't know yourself. And um, the class that I took was very interdisciplinary. That was also a concept that was weird to them. But from today's perspective, I think this is exactly where, where the world is developing towards. It's not only one discipline to look at and to study. You need to understand more of it. And, um, and yeah, so in a way, I felt not really reassured by them trying to lead me into that economic direction, because also you want to stay true to what you feel inside, you know, where you feel your passion is. Um, and yeah, in the end, I think now looking back at it, I don't feel like that it had such a major impact on my career. So, I mean, I could have also studied um, uh, engineering or something like that. I, probably would have ended up in that same position. Um, but yeah, at the time, 
it was uh, it was not easy to come up with that compromise. Yeah, I was going to ask like, that exact question. You know, if you could redo your education and, like you said, listen, you did listen to your parents and focus more on that business kind of aspect in your higher higher education. But you just said it. If you would have been more technical focused, then you probably would have led yourself to the same job at Vodafone, still in technology and doing that. Um, so you still chose the company you work for now. They took a chance on you. Talk to us about the chance you took on yourself. Um, you took a leap, took a technologist type job uh, when you were looking maybe more the marketing business aspect. Um, tell us a little bit about that decision-making process. And, you know, obviously it's worked out really well for you, but in that moment, how did you feel and how did you overcome making that decision? Well, I think a lot of that is linked to the graduate program and the nature of it. So when you start, you're not like in a fixed job, but rather you have the opportunity to move around in different areas and build your own network of people. That is super important in a company like Vodafone. And, um, and that was also part of the uh, persuasion that we had in the beginning that they told me, look, you just go into marketing and you check it out yourself. And in the end, if you feel like you're a marketing person, then you just find yourself a job there, you know? So it felt like a very light approach uh, with not a lot of barriers. And, um, and also, since I was super open about my lack of technology knowledge, I felt it's an, it's an okay bet to go for. And, um, and that's exactly what I did. So I went to a lot of different technology areas, but also to marketing, to HR, and, um, and I have to say that it was good that I did it um, because then I could move on to like a no regret move in technology. And what I really like about uh, technology and especially the people is they're not much like of political people, you know, they are very passionate about their area of knowledge. They are eager to share it with you. Um, actually, they love it that you're interested, you know, that you're asking all these questions and almost none of them like gave me the feeling like, yeah, you are not an expert like me, you know, uh, what a stupid question you're asking. So it was really the opposite. They were super passionate about their expertise. And, um, and that's something that I totally loved about technology and the people there. And this is why I thought, um, yeah, that's, that's a good environment for me because with the skill set that I'm having, I can bring a value add that's not there maybe that much at the moment. Yeah, just to, just to do another question on that, because what I'm finding really intriguing by what you're saying is they saw that you had a little bit of a curiosity, let's say, and we all know technology changes tomorrow. I mean, whatever we're talking about today in the world of tech, if it's you know now AI and ML and things like that, tomorrow it'll be something else. And, you know, having people that show an inquisitive mindset, they want to go learn something new and see if it's adaptable, not only for yourself, but for the business and for, you know, revenue generation and things like that. Um, would you say that that's kind of one of the, the core tenets of the company you work for? Like, is that something that they look for just in general? And how does that align to the company now that, like you said, you've been in the job about 10 years now? Um, I think the curiosity part is very important. Um, and alongside with curiosity always goes admitting that you don't know it all. And I think that is an important thing to admit 
when you want to innovate, when you want to create something new. And, um, and that's actually something that a couple of experts find hard to do. And uh, it's, I think it's a lot of um, like relaxing an atmosphere when there's one person starting to raise the finger and saying like, hey, I, I don't know it all. Can we talk it through? You know, can you explain it to me? Can we learn about it? And, um, and, and I think that's something, you know, that's, that's especially in that 5G lab and that innovation area that really kept us state of the art, always questioning the status quo and uh, thinking like, what can be the next big thing? You know, what's the next use case that you can do with 5G, for example? And, um, and I think at the, at the time when I started, coming back to your question, um, that was something new to people. Um, it was uh, more like, yeah, I have my, my, my expert career, you know, and now I'm moving up to the next expert level and we're all experts and we feel great about it. And um, let's find the best, let's say, engineering solution for the problem that we have on the table. Um, and, uh, and I think now we've moved also the focus to on not only how can we solve the next best problem that we have on the table, but also how can we communicate it? How can we present it to the world? How can we engage with people that are not technology people, you know? I mean, some experts tend to think that uh, everyone wakes up in the morning and is curious to find out more about 5G, but in reality, not a lot of people do that, you know? They need to be triggered. They need to be exposed to that, to that technology, but also to the questions around it and to the possibilities around it. And I think that has changed a lot that it's not only about technology for the sake of technology, but really technology as the enabler for new things we can do in the future. Yeah, it's interesting that you, because uh, earlier you mentioned, especially, you know, about parents, right? Our parents have the knowledge of what, you know, 30 years ago and how they came up, right? And we're probably the first generation. I'm not making an assumption of what your age is. I wouldn't do that. But I think we're all around the same age here. And we're probably the generation that grew up with technology really advancing at a rapid pace. And to your point, Steve, you know, every single minute of every day, there's some type of new technology being pushed out into the, the marketplace. And it's for us to be able to help people make sense of all of that, but also be curious enough to then to, to what you said earlier, Britta, is like pushing the status quo of today so we can change tomorrow. Um, but that starts with that curiosity of the, of the what ifs. Right. Because I know, you know, when I came into our, my field in in I mean, I, you know, IT and technology as well, um, as well as Steve. And I remember the first time I met Steve, Steve was that person that was always asking the what if, let's push the status quo, let's be that rebel talent, right? Positive disruptor is, is really what I call them all the time, um, which, which, which is cool because it takes, it takes us to switch our mindset to say, hey, we're, we're open to these ideas because the idea should come just as rapid as the technology is being developed. And, and I think that's the foundation of that is having that curiosity and how we can change the world with the time that we have on this planet. So um, I just want to throw that in there. Yeah, I'll add to it makes people uncomfortable. And I think that's interesting. Um, Britta, have you ever had a moment in this new position that you or in the position that you have now uh, where some of the things that are being done in the lab kind of make people question 
the idea, uh, maybe are a detractor up front and want to uh, kind of give you an upfront no versus testing it out? Like, how do you deal with a little bit of that resistance up front as you go through your positive disruption? That's a good question. Um, I think I faced that many, many times um, uh, on, on different projects. Um, the one that I remember best was when we uh, built the 5G lab. And I mean, Eric, you've been there. Um, there's a lot of glass everywhere, you know, so you can basically see inside every room and um, and the building itself is pretty old, you know, it's very old school, you know, like tons of walls everywhere. And um, and so when we um, started building the lab and we said, come on, let's make all the walls made out of glass um yeah every everyone thought yeah that's a cool idea and then when i talked to the team about yeah but this is where we all going to work in the future you know i mean we're moving away from the office location and really have the ambition to go there a lot of people were shocked they said no i i don't want to sit in a in a glass office you know and um i don't feel comfortable around it and um and yeah and and in the beginning, I mean, I thought, why? I mean, it's such a cool atmosphere. For me, it was a no-brainer, but uh, but for a couple of people, it was really a stretch. And um, and now during COVID, it was the other way around. We should try to keep all the people at home, you know, but they all wanted to come into the lab, you know? And, um, and so, because it's such a cool place to work and it's a very inspiring area. And I think the way, how to to manage that this is first of all going step by step and having patience so you cannot force people to go there and say like yeah okay deal with it you know it's that's the new situation i think you need to give people time um and be a role model be there yourself and um yeah and and show the advantages of that being there, you know, um, showing that it is inspiring for your daily work to be in that environment, to meet new people, to see who's coming through um, for the lab tours, for example, you know, meet people also from the outside of Vodafone and, um, and also get credit for your work. You know, I mean, if you hear that on a tour, how a customer says like, oh yeah, that's a very cool solution. And you hear that about your own work. I mean, that is, that is a cool uh, moment, I think. Um, and so um, that's that's kind of the transition that we made, but it took time. It's not an overnight thing. And so one of the things that I've been uh, uh, kind of thinking about over the last several months is the loss that happens with change, right? So we, we try to introduce change or something into the environment. And us as leaders, it's it's hard to one, get all of those folks that are resistors or on the fence to, to come to our side and, and push change forward um, without leaving maybe some folks behind that are struggling. And what, what I've been struggling with, though, is, is on, the, on the negative side of change, right? There's people that might see some loss. So just going back to your use case of making all the walls glass, right? There might have been a loss of privacy, right? A loss of the way it used to be. Um, you know, it's maybe a little bit too sudden for some individuals. So how do you manage? And, and, and if you don't have a, a, an answer to this question, it's fine. It's just something I've been thinking through is how do I manage the loss when you're introducing some change, whether it's small or large? How do you how, how did you deal with that piece of it? 
I think it's a loss if you actively take something away. And, um, and the office was still there, you know? So it was not like, now you need to go and we're gonna sell away your chairs and desks, you know, to other people. Um, and, um, and so it was not really managing a loss, but I get your, I get your point. Um, I think, yeah, in the end, it's, it's really a lot about time and showing the advantages of something, you know? And I mean, for example, privacy that you, maybe you find that best in the home office, for example. And, um, and I mean, going back to COVID, I think a lot of people realized when I come to the office, I'm not going there to do something on my own, you know, or something where I need to highly concentrate. It's more like meeting people, you know, having that random chat uh, in the kitchen, you know, where you find new solutions together. Um, and it's more that social component. And I think that was something that people quickly understood that's something that I can find in the lab. And, and I think, you know, you need to create like a critical mass of people that adopted, and then it's also easier for the people that are not really too keen for on that change. Right. Britta, it's, it, I, I love how you're bringing up the critical mass. We've talked to some folks uh, previously on the podcast about, you know, the, the academic term would be like the tipping point, the typical mm -hmm. about 10 to 15% of this new change. You have your early adopters like becoming your first followers and evangelizing whatever that thing is. So it's not just Britta telling everybody, you've got all these people throughout the organization or your segment of the market or whatever saying, this is the thing that everybody needs to get behind and it becomes hot and it becomes, you know, the next best thing and everybody wants it and, and will start consuming it because they see the value. Um, speaking to the physical presence of your lab, and now that we're post COVID, a theme that we've talked about with folks is, you know, maybe this return to work ethos that people are trying to incentivize folks because being virtual has its pros, but it does definitely have some cons. How have you overcome your particular team in still being kind of like a hybrid environment or has your company really embraced, you know, people coming back so that you have those one-off sparked conversations, you know, around a water cooler in, you know, the, the, the common areas, how, how are you leading through that change? Well, I think um, you need to separate kind of the lab and the office location of Vodafone because the lab, I mean, it has all the technology there. So that is the biggest USP probably, especially for uh, the engineers and the organization. I mean, they want to go there and work with the infrastructure that they don't have at home. Um, so that's, yeah, that's really not a, a hard challenge to convince them to come back. Um, I think in that area, it's more that some people are still scared to be with too many people in one room. And um, since we're also doing tours and we have sometimes tours of 10 to 50 and sometimes even 20 people. And uh, and I mean, the lab, I mean, it's not a palace, you know, it's, it's, it's a lab uh, that is not too big. Um, I think that's something that um, scares away a couple of people. And I think the biggest aspect is to take these concerns seriously and make sure that you come up with a structure that um, everyone is still sticking to the rules that we all learned during the pandemic you know and um, 
that uh, yeah that we respect that everyone is dealing with COVID and its consequences differently. You know, I mean, some people just uh, turn the next page and say, "Yeah, we're back, uh, we're back," and uh, no, uh, no really worries about any um, any pandemic. And then you have others; uh, their life has changed fund fundamentally, and they probably will never go back to um, something uh, like they like to the way they lived before. And um, and so, yeah, I think infrastructure as a USP for people to 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 draw them into the lab um, while keeping it a safe environment. is, I think something that um, we did a lot um, in the lab. And I think around the office location, Vodafone is very much on home office, like even before the pandemic. So it was not, I don't think it was something that we needed to learn as an organization. Uh, we had it before and um, and the majority of people really appreciated that or appreciates that offer. And, um, but what I think that Vodafone has understood pretty well in the office location is that what we want to do in the office is different to what we want to do in the home office. And so changing the areas from one-to-one -one desks um, to more collaborative areas, you know, where you can do workshops, where you can uh, meet a customer, you know, where you can go through a lab, for example. Um, they've focused a lot more on that um, and um, yeah, kind of acknowledge that the, the work where you want to concentrate more is probably more done at home. Yeah, so one of the things I did is a few a couple months ago, I spoke at uh, uh, the CTO day that we had. I was a keynote address and they walked me through the innovation floor uh, that mm -hmm. they just constructed. And Steve, and for everyone listening, it's an amazing space. There's there's no barriers. Everything's kind of open, um, and but 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 it's structured in a way where you can go sit with five to 10, 15, 20 people if you want to, or you can be in a pod by yourself and kind of focusing on whatever you want to focus on. But it's it's not a place that you have to come be at, but it's a place that you want to be at. Right. And you can you can sit there and have a coffee. You can sit there, have a soft drink. You can go up on the roof terrace. They have little podcast rooms. Um, but what I found, it was just an inviting space. Right. That if you just wanted to break away from the home life, home office, you know, every day kind of routine, you can go there and recharge, be around people and then retreat back if you're an introvert or, um, you know, if you're an extrovert. Right. You can go be in this space and get your energy there. And Steve's laughing because he knows that uh, he and I have this argument. So I'm a true introvert. He thinks I'm an extrovert, but I'm not. Um, you know, I'm kind of a chameleon. I can, you know, go be in a, so, a, a, a certain setting and be social, but I, I do get my energy from being alone. So, um, but, so um, what, what I did want to talk about though, is I saw that you were given an award uh, for, uh, you know, it was a Vodafone Red uh, Women in Technology Award. Um, so talk about that. So because I know you've, you, do, you do all the 5G innovation um, and I've seen all of the use cases, but talk about that moment when you received that award. Was that validating for you in some type of way? Did it just compliment what you already knew about yourself? Just, just walk us through that. Um, well, I received the award for starting the Women in Technology Network. And um, and honestly speaking, I would have never thought of myself that I'm going to start something like that, because yeah, I'm 
like luckily I've never been discriminated because I'm a woman or I don't feel like I had a lot of barriers to to overcome because I am a woman so so yeah I, I never really felt the need of starting such a network um what I saw in in 10 years of Vodafone or maybe at a time like five or six uh, years of Vodafone was that um, the situation for uh, women in technology is not improving over time naturally by itself. Um, but uh, in the opposite, there were a couple of things where I thought, hmm, I don't know, uh, where are all the women going? Like, especially on the top level management. So when I started, um, there were quite a lot. And, uh, and at the time, there were quite a lot also leaving. And I was a bit worried about that. And I thought, yeah, we should maybe do something about it, you know, and uh, connect and um, get get the advice inside the network, you know, help each other, create more transparency, um, do best practice sessions, mentor each other, um, but also make sure that, um, yeah, we are doing our part to, to, to increase the quote of women um, on the employee level, but also in leadership positions. And so this is what I got the award for. And um, I was really happy about it um, because I mean, again, it shed light on there is something that we can do better. And um, yeah, and that was the story behind that. Yeah, so, um, I, so I read a book and, and actually uh, met uh, Iris Bonet uh, who talks about uh, empowering women in the workplace, but also talks about how there's some actionable things that you can do to um, actually invite and be inclusive in the workplace. And, you know, Steve and I, we, we both have daughters. Um, I've got two, two young daughters. And, um, and knowing that, you know, the way where they sit in society, whether, you know, we just aren't there yet, right? Because, you know, societal stigmas and or bias that's out there that they were born, you know, with a disadvantage. Um, and, you know, people like you doing these types of things. Um, and we've had some other folks on, on the podcast, like, you know, Patty Tudelo or M Michelle Bolos that also do these similar things, you know, to empower women with women's circles or networks. Um, so I just want to say thank you um, for them. For, for, for doing things like this that, you know, will, will create a pathway for them. So I just wanted to get that out there. Um, so with that, though, um, I know we've talked a lot about the 5G lab, right? Um, and what was funny is I was driving home. I was driving my mother-in-law, who's 76 home today, and we were talking about, she was like, what are you going to do the rest of the day? I was like, oh, I got a podcast with uh, Britta. And she was like, oh, what does Britta do? I was like, oh, you know, Britta is like a pioneer for 5G. And she walked me through this 5G lab. She was like, what's, what's 5G? Um, so um, I thought it'd be kind of cool if you just kind of walk us through, because I'm pretty sure there's some audience folks out there that are like, yeah, I see 5G on my, on my phone, but I don't know what it is. Um, can you just just define what 5G is and then, you know, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the use cases that you, that you're working on. I can perfectly relate to that conversation. Even my mom, she says, what is that G5 you're talking about all day? So, so no worries at all. Uh, well, it's, it's the newest um, generation of, of mobile networks uh, that is commercially available. And, um, and I think most people think of it uh, as of more speed, more bandwidth, you know, so getting my 
YouTube video faster or uh, I don't know um, everything I do on the internet, just like do it quicker. Um, and um, but what it actually does as a game changer uh, is it's decreasing the latency. So it's really starting starting the, the chapter of real time technologies or real time applications. So uh, the stuff that I do is is fed back within milliseconds. Um, and that is very interesting for a lot of applications, you know, where you want to do something remotely or also in the gaming industry is very interesting. And um, the other um, area where it's uh, changing a lot, and I think this is a very interesting for B2B customers, it's um, we're going away from the big macro network serving the country more to like small networks that you can purchase yourself for your premises, you know, and then you have basically your own network um, that you can control where you are fully in charge of where the data is that you can even operate yourself. So this is what we call um, mobile private networks or campus networks. And um, yeah, this is what uh, what 5G kind of makes unique, especially for B2B customers. No, thank you. I hope, I hope that was understandable. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of our audience would understand if they have a technology background, but I think my mother-in-law is still a little confused. She'll probably be like, what? Okay. You know, as long as her phone works, she's happy. Um, yeah, go ahead, Steve. I think, yeah, I think, Britta, if you could talk to the low latency, because when I, so I'm a technologist, but maybe some of the folks that are out there think latency might mean you know, the delay, and if you could talk about how that is truly shrunk with this new standard that's out there, and then what, what, what opportunities does that open? And then again, what is the lab that you work on? What kind of use cases are they really trying to solve for humanity in general? Thank you for listening. Part two will air next Sunday, July 2nd, 2023.